Hey everyone, welcome to Blocks. We talk about people's issues, we heal the world with our vulnerability. It's a pretty uh, special time. My guest today, Jackass, Wild Boys, Steve-O's Wild Ride. He's a comedian now. I saw you talking to Rogan about it, and when my name came up, which I didn't know, I'll tell you about uh, You wrote a book. Two books. Two books. Fucking two books. One, one, and up. And uh, Steve-O, I'm genuinely excited to to do this episode with you. Well, thank you for having time me. With you. Have you uh, had David Letterman in here? Not in this room. But in New on York. the show. Yeah. My question for you, well, I, you know what I, the, the watching you, Jackass started in 01? It premiered on MTV in October of 2000. Okay. So 2000. I remember seeing it and thinking, I was like, this is male uh, relationships boiled down to a perfect soup. I'd never see, I still don't think I've ever seen a better distillation of male relationships in my life to the point where I was like, I should just walk. I was like, I just pictured myself just walking out there and going like, what do you need? Well, I'll do anything you want. Like, <laughs> I I, not like I wanted to be one of you guys, but I just, I love the show so much. I couldn't believe it. I like couldn't believe how good it was. Well, thank you. I remember when the TV show premiered. I didn't. I didn't know about any of the footage that I wasn't a part of because we all shot it mm -hmm. very separately. So, when, and probably having no idea what the aggregate would be, largely. And when the shows premiered, they were all the footage was as new to me as everybody else, and I was just like, "Man, wow, I'm a part of something really cool." Immediately, you kind of felt like that. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Um, it was culturally significant, man. Yeah. It was like a big, it was a big thing. And how the world's changed since then. I mean, back then, uh, I mean, we could argue that the video camera was not yet a household item. I don't think we could, I think it was not a household item until 09. There wasn't even really reality TV except for, uh, I guess they had Survivor by that point. Yeah. They had the real world. Yeah. But that whole phenomena, you know, it's just crazy, man. It was just a, such like, it was just like what guys do in the break room, on the loading dock, in the room. It's just like what people do, what guys do when they're t uh, left to their own devices. Yeah. Um, now, the thing that I never occurred to me is that you are all on drugs. In some form or another, I'd say. I, I mean, ironically, at the beginning, Bam was uh, like pretty sober, like super sober. Interesting. Yeah. Well, yeah, because I but once you guys started having like issues, I was like, why didn't I realize? Like, of course you were on whatever you were on. I'm assuming you're on like Vicodin and mm, I was never too into painkillers, and at least I can say I never took a painkiller for pain. <laughs> you just took it for the love of the game. Yeah, I just took it to get get messed up. What were your your choice? What were uh, your my my drugs of choice? Uh, I had a big cocaine problem before Jackass ever even started. Like I I was in a, a circus before Jackass started, and and I, I would be awake for days in a row and and backstage peeling off my clown nose and tooting up the. You were a clown. I was a circus clown. Yeah. For how long? Well, I graduated from Ringling Brothers and Barnum and Bailey Clown College in 1997. Okay. 
didn't get the contract with the Ringling Circus, which did break my heart at that time. Was it close? Do you know? Uh, not not particularly close. <laughs> I didn't make a great impression at Clown College. So I missed out on that. Uh, I think they made like 240 bucks a week or something. Oh, yeah. like, uh, we were competing for a pretty bad job. But I ended up getting a job on Royal Caribbean Cruise Lines you know, as a, a circus clown. Um, got fired from that. How long, how many hours a day would you have to clown? It, it, it was a weird job. It was only, uh, I think it was twice a week that we got in clown makeup. And we had like different things that we would do on the cruise ship. We would uh, be the, kind of warm up the crowd in the 1500 seat theater on the cruise ship. We would uh, assume these different characters and, and mingle around and kind of like, almost like Disney, uh, you know, like a, you see Mickey Mouse walking yeah. around kind of a thing. And uh, I mean, it's, so the hours didn't necessarily apply. There were various duties that happened at different what times. What were like just being other characters? Or yeah, like, like when, 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 the, when the cruise ship would, would leave the dock, we would be on stilts walking on, on the pool deck, you know, the right, celebration. Right, right, right. We would teach people uh, how to juggle on the beach when we stopped in like the Cayman Islands. Like, right. What made you want to be a clown? I've never met anybody that wanted to be a clown, let alone right. did it. And <laughs> right, um, I found the video camera when I was 15 years old through skateboarding. Uh -huh. And uh, I was never particularly great at skateboarding, but the skateboard led me to the video camera, which I fell in love with. And I decided that I wanted whatever career path I chose to involve the video camera. And when I was graduating from high school, um, I thought that becoming a creative advertising executive was would be my goal. Yeah. So I went to the University of Miami, the School of Communications, uh, advertising, and uh, I just couldn't bring myself to go to class. I I, uh, I was just getting wasted and and um, I was quickly failing out. I was kicked Drunk, out of the dorms. Coke. What, what were we doing at that time? It was just mostly uh, alcohol and weed. Yeah. But whatever, you know, came by. I was pretty pretty cool about. Um, got kicked out of the dorms, dropped out, you know, the whole thing. And, and, you know, it's 1993 at that point. And, uh, you know, well, what are you going to do now? And, and I said, you know what, like, I'm going to become a crazy famous stuntman with my home video camera. And in 1993, there was legitimately no precedent for that. Like, every yeah, I was there. <laughs> yeah. Nobody ever pitched that. <laughs> right. And. Everybody like who, nobody had video camera. Not nobody, right. but like as many people as have like walkie talkies now. Right. Like you don't know nobody with a walkie talkie, but you don't know like there was active. enough home video footage to support one show, America's Funniest Home Correct. Videos. Yes, that, that was, was for chill. That was mostly children, and then right, and and very violent things yeah. too. <laughs> great, a great show. Yeah, a truly great show. Everybody, I told my plan to as I left the University of Miami, legitimately felt sorry for me. It just thought, wow, what a loser! Like this is such a tragic story, and um, I was uh, properly homeless for three years. Ended up, uh, I mean, I was just couch surfing around, and um, for three three years, years, how many nights did you sleep outside? <laughs> Over the course of three years, I I probably spent a good few weeks uh, outdoors on roofs. Did you, is it, do you just Maybe feel, month. feel like a mooch every time? Oh, yeah. Like you fucking hate asking people? Like, yeah, it was the worst. 
It was absolutely the worst. What did you tell yourself about why you couldn't get a job and a place to live? I couldn't keep a job. That was the thing is that I couldn't bring myself to go to class. I couldn't get through school. And every single job that I ever got, I was fired in short order. So I- with Every time you agree with them looking back? Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> like you were, so you were just a shitty employee. <laughs> yeah, you're just a, you were just I, an asshole. Yeah, I was. I was just really bad. I was like, yeah, you got me. Fair enough. <laughs> I, I can't argue. Like I, I got fired every denomination of days. Like I got fired from pizza delivery on the first day because it okay. took me two hours to deliver a pizza that was like literally around the corner. What happened? I just didn't know. I I'm not. My sense of direction is bad. Okay. <laughs> Great. Um, and, uh, you know, but I couldn't keep a bus point. Were you nice? Were you like a nice person? Yeah, I was or... a likable guy. I just couldn't really uh, apply myself to anything that I don't want to do. Like I had for me to be able to do something, this is a blessing and a curse. I have to be passionate about it. Yeah. Like if I'm not passionate about it, then I cannot bring myself to do it. So it puts me in a, like all or nothing, yeah. no no safety net, no plan B, no backup plan. Canada and my dad, uh, when I apply myself to something, it's like there's nothing I can't accomplish. Yeah. But you have to like it. Yeah. But unfortunately, that's a fairly narrow slice of the pie. Yeah. <laughs> Meaning that like most of life's duties, I'm just completely. If someone needs you to light your dick on fire. Right. Right. Pure passion. Right. Have do you apologize to people once once you get out of that? Like once you started making money, do you ever like, hey, there's, can there, I give you money? That. Some of it. There, there, there's a little bit of that. Yeah. There, there was a guy who, when I dropped out of um, the University of Miami, I, we, we actually there's a few of us who kind of dropped out at the same time. But one guy, we got in a van at the University of Miami, we drove all the way across the country to uh, Lake Tahoe. And our plan was to become uh, employees at a, a um, ski resort and, and get, we would get free snowboard passes and we'd become rad stuntmen. We left Miami for Northern California with 600 bucks between us. And, um, and I was just a, I was just kind of a jerk, man. Like I was like, uh, I was a jerk to that guy. I reached out to him and I was like, man, you know, like. Jerk in what way? I, like I smoked cigarettes and I would spend our money on cigarettes. Yeah. And like, like, uh, I don't know. I, I feel like I was like trying to control like our little money. Yeah. It was bad. It's funny that you pulled it. Like, yeah. well, I'll keep our little pile of my yeah, collective so money. like that. Did you something. get to. Did you get to the ski place? We did, and it wasn't snowing, and they weren't hiring. And we turned around, <laughs> and we went from there to Colorado, where um, where the, my buddy did get a job on the resort. I didn't. I became uh, I, I cleaned the meat room in a supermarket. Um, that I, I was not enjoying that at all. Huh. Then I got in, got in a car with another guy. We drove to Austin, Texas, to have drugs tested on us. Uh, by the government for FDA approval. What kind of drugs? Me medical studies. Now, like the, the the more dangerous the medical study, the more they pay. So we did the most dangerous one you could possibly get into, which was where they were testing drugs for pigs and cows on people. Huh. The reason being that 
they uh, the drug was called ractopamine hydrochloride. The intention was to give this drug to pigs and cows, and it would cause them to have uh, less fat and more muscle. Uh-huh. It would make for leaner meat to appeal to a more health-conscious consumer. But by the virtue of the fact that if they give this drug to the animals and the people eat the meat, like that means a little trace of that drug is going to enter the human uh-huh. body. And anytime anything, before anything is allowed to come in contact with or enter the human body, it has to be like rigorously, yeah. Yeah. rigorously tested. So for some reason, they had to like determine how much the human body could withstand of this stuff before they could you know, give it to pigs and cows for, for me. Do you know how much you were getting? I know that the target of the study, the um, the, the the goal was to you know, pump us full of it until somebody's resting heart rate went over 150 beats per minute. And it was supposed to be, I think, like a 10-day study, and they didn't quite get that heart, our heart rates to that <laughs> dangerous level. So they gave us extra money to stay two more days. To and, get to uh, 150? It was such a dangerous study that there were only six people in it. And um, we got like, uh, I think it was supposed to be 1500 bucks, but we ended up getting a bump. And they're they, like death row inmates? The other they, the they, other five guys? are. There, there was a guy who was an, a gnarly drug dealer in the study. And um, and and he said, yeah, man, like uh, after we get out of here, because we were going to get 2000 bucks for the study, like... Uh, you know, he, he talked us into investing in a pound of marijuana. Great. And, uh, you know, to make our $2,000 yeah. last longer. And we went up to Colleen, Texas with this, uh, this drug dealer guy. And he drove us to the spot, went in the front door, and never came back out the front door. He had our money, 500 bucks from me and my buddy. And, uh, you know, and, and that, that sucked really bad. But we found our way back to the guy's place. And we're innocent, you know, like, oh, you know, hey, we're just going to see what happened. Yeah, I'm sure he's confused. There must be some confusion. Yeah, like what happened? And my my buddy had to fix the car if we're going to get all the way back to Colorado. So I'm alone in this guy's apartment. When he gets back, he finds me in his apartment with his buddies. How'd you get into his apartment? I mean, like I think he had a roommate who was home and his roommate was none the wiser about what yeah. had been going on. Yeah. And, but, but the roommate wasn't even there. I'm sitting alone in this guy's living room. He gets back, finds me at, and, and uh, walks with his buddies. Like they beat me up, like kicked me in the head, like really hard and, and took the rest of the money that I had on me. <laughs> and they'd said, he said, if you're here, when I get back, like, something bad's gonna happen you're like yeah i get i get that yeah i better get out of here so when my buddy came back from fixing the car i told him what happened and we gotta get out of here and uh we we ransacked this dude's place like uh we took all the (laughs) the clothes out of his closet and they'd like fit me pretty well um he had just bought this snake and we stole his snake and we stole everything we could possibly steal and um, while we're in the middle of ransacking his place, we see these these uh, headlights pull into the driveway. We're like, ah, and we go running through the back. We dive out the window, but then it turns out it was a false alarm. That wasn't him. We got back to ransacking, <laughs> and we loaded up the car, and we got out of there. What did you get? What, what did you get Mostly from clothes and shoes. Okay. Uh, and a snake with a pet, with a, with a, 
like a shedding of rock what, kind of a thing. What became of the snake? Uh, we gave it to the the nice girls in Colorado who had let us sleep on their sofa. While you're doing this, <laughs> is it fun? Is it? You know, I don't think I've ever told that story on a podcast. That's either. fantastic. <laughs> yeah. um, is it? Do you think like my? This is my life. I'm living a good life, and it's going well. Um, it, it's a really good question. Thank you. And and um, given that my goal, my well, genuinely, my goal is I'm going to become a crazy famous stuntman, mm -hmm. and, and like everything that I did. To that that might be the dumbest goal I've ever heard realized. <laughs> right, the dumbest dream anyone ever realized. Right, and, and so like I got I got drugs for pigs and cows because there was never me. a stunt man who was famous. Right, exactly. By ever. definition, it's an anonymous, thankless job. Yes, and I mean like, unless, unless you count like Evil Knievel. Yeah, but that he's a he's a exhibitionist or something. He's right. you know what I mean. Yeah, like he's not just getting thrown out of a burning right. husk. Right, right. I mean, I was thinking like I wanted to make stuntman not anonymous. Were you always doing stunts? Like when you jumped out the window, did you like know how to land correctly uh, or think you did? A little bit. Like skateboarding taught me how to fall down. Is that the proper way? Uh, is I mean, the you're going to fall down. Like it, it behooves you to learn a proper way to fall down when the, you're skateboarding. The proper way is not don't use your hands and arms, right? In 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 a lot of cases, I would say rolling out of something is, okay. is, is a good idea. So you have this dream and you kind of feel like, I'm on my way. Yeah, I thought that like the getting drugs tested on me, like uh, this, this is just part of my day. I'm a wild guy. I do crazy stuff, you know? Like this is part of my story, notch in my belt, you know? Um, it, that was uh, 1994 that I did the medical study. Um, that later in that year, I was following the Grateful Dead for for an entire summer tour. I went to every single show, and and um, I would get to the the Grateful Dead parking lot like with my on fumes. I would have like you know, and I would do like backflips for dollars to get like five bucks. And then once I had five bucks, I would buy like three hits of acid from like a deadhead guy. Yeah. Then I would sell each of those hits of acid for five bucks a piece. Now I had 15 bucks. Then I'd buy like an eighth of swag. And then I would turn around and sell that for 30 bucks. You know, right. like by the end of the day, I would have like a hundred bucks, you know, yeah. and then I'd be cool. And then I'd be, then I'd just be worried about drinking and skateboarding. Would you buy, go into the show? Nah, very rarely. Only if uh, if um, somebody gave me a ticket, which happens sometimes. Yeah, I would think it would kind of happen a lot. Sometimes that that sometimes that would happen. But it was just such a crazy thing. The Grateful Dead, man, like they were in football stadiums, which hold like I'm guessing like 50, 50, 50 60,000. 60, yeah. and a hundred thousand people would show up. Arguable that there were times when there were more people outside of the stadium yeah. during the show than there were inside. And it seemed like the cops kind of didn't care. And they left a trail of people in prison. Oh, they did. Yeah. And selling acid is like a really serious crime that will have you in jail for like 10 years or something. Like there's like a, there's just a trail of people. Okay. So I'm dead wrong. one time it, it was in New Jersey. I think it was Meadowland stadium. And, uh, I, I was I had a bunch of acid on me and I was selling a guy acid and um, as we made the exchange I realized a cop was there and saw it and the cops said, hey 
and and I just took off running, dude. And I and uh, I I was not captured. Cops, come on out. <laughs> it's over. Yeah, I mean, I, re I, re I remember that very very well. I, I uh, could have been part of this whole, uh, you know, prison. Contingent. I didn't even know about that. I my, my thought was if they if they had a lot of black fans, they a lot more people would have gotten arrested. I, That's my thought. Yeah. That was my like if Earth Wind and Fire, <laughs> sixty thousand people were inside and forty thousand out, you would have seen a lot of arrests. That's just my my guess. Sight unseen. So then, so then, like uh, you know, <laughs> I, I I ended up working my way back to the University of Miami and and. Um, just kind of was vagrant. You were like hitchhiking-ish? My dad, at a certain point, I was like, my, I was like, dad, you know, like, man, I'm like, everything's going really good, except, if, you know, being homeless would be easier if I had a car. And and, and uh, I talked my dad into getting me a, a used car. Great. Yeah, so that was the used car. I never even learned how to drive until I was 20 years old. And, um, I think it was like within six months I got my first uh, drunk driving arrest. And then within one month of getting my license back from my first DUI, I got my second DUI. Mm -hmm. And then I did the reasonable thing, which was uh, I gave up driving. That's the DUI version of <laughs> Irish twins. <laughs> yeah. Where you get your license taken and then you're right back yeah. at it. Fantastic. <laughs> Buying tickets to your favorite events shouldn't be stressful. Game time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all sports, music, comedy, and theater near you with killer deals on last-minute tickets and their best price guarantee. You can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for the fun you'll have. All right, here's what game time has. They got flash deals and last-minute tickets, easy to find and buy tickets for every kind of event in your area, images of seat views, lowest price guarantee, event cancellation protection, job loss protection, etc. Game Time is the place for last-minute ticket deals. Forget planning months in advance. Game Time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. Get exclusive flash deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball, concerts, comedy, theater, and more. The Game Time guarantee means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section row for less, Game Time will credit you 110% of the difference. It's the fastest-growing ticketing app in the country for a reason. You get images of your seat before you buy, so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. Buy tickets in a matter of seconds. Two taps and you're set. Tickets are sent directly to your phone, so you never have to dig through your email. Uh, snag the tickets without the stress with GameTime. Download the GameTime app, create an account, and use code BLOCKS for $20 off your first purchase. That's B-L-O-C-K-S for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code BLOCKS for $20 off. Download game time today. Last-minute tickets. Lowest prices. Gu -gu 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 guaranteed. Hola. Estas disfrutando de mi podcast? That means, hello, are you liking my podcast? And thanks to Babbel, I know that. Do you? Uh, you know how I get when I go to a place and I'm like, I'm going to move here. I'm going to learn the language. And so I've been, I've been doing uh, the Spanish course with Babbel. And you can too. Because with Babbel, you can start speaking a new language in just three weeks. The best way to learn a language is through immersion, which means living where the language is spoken natively and using it every day. But that's not possible for everyone. I mean, if you want to learn Spanish, there are places in America you can go where it's mostly Spanish. I mean, there's places you can go in America where it's mostly a lot of language besides English. 
Uh, so what's the second best way to learn a language? Babbel. Because with Babbel, you can start speaking a new language in just three weeks. Instead of paying hundreds of dollars for a private tutor or fooling yourself uh, with language apps that are a little more than games, Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are designed by over 150 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. You know, it's, it is they're in 10-minute, reasonably bite-sized chunks. And uh, and sometimes I'll do one. One time I did three in a row because I'm such a good student. And then you can order food. You can you can have like conversant. I have a friend of mine in Mexico City, and we um, we uh, chat. We uh, WhatsApp because that's that's how you know they're not in America. You WhatsApp uh, in Spanish. It's fun. I seem uh, charismatic and charming. Here's a special limited time deal for our listeners to get you started right now. Get 55% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners at babbel.com, B-A-B-B-E-L.com. That's B-A-B-B-E-L.com slash blocks, B-L-O-C-K-S, and get 55% off at babbel.com slash blocks, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L.com slash blocks, Rules and restrictions may apply. The second DUI was in January of 1996. And at that point, I was homeless and living out of uh, this car, which had expired tags. And I was still, like, and I kind of was still driving drunk a lot of the time because I had no choice. I was living in the car, Come you on. know? You didn't want to. And, uh, and then, the, you know, the, then these guys, they, they turned me onto this uh, magic mushroom field. They were like, dude, we're going to go pick mushrooms. It's going to be great. And, uh, you know, I was like, oh, great, man. Maybe we can sell mushrooms. Like, uh, so we go and we picked lots and lots of mushrooms. And then at the end of, of our, our picking session, they were like, okay, now give us your bag. And I was like, what are you talking about? They said, we're the ones who knew where the field was. And I was like, well, I'm the one whose car we just took to get to the field. These are my mushrooms. And I, I dug my heels in. I, I, uh, put, I put my foot down and said, I'm not giving them to you. And, and, uh, and um, they, were, they were very upset with me. And, um, and I was indignant. And um, I didn't want there to be like a, like a, a really bad vibe. So the next time... You know, they they uh, they asked me, "Hey, can we borrow your car? We're going back to the field." And I was like, "Oh, you know what? All right." Like, but they never came back with the car, and they destroyed. They went to the guy's house and they went destroyed and- the car. Now, at this point, I was at a low. It was a low point in my life, and 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 if I'm honest, I had been thinking about using the car to carbon monoxide myself to death, but I couldn't afford. You need a garage, and I couldn't afford to fill the tank. Yeah, no, you, there was a couple, you were a couple, there were a couple things that were going to prevent you from Yeah, that. right. And then your I, life was actually too <laughs> shitty for suicide. <laughs> right. And then, uh, they, then these guys, that, suicide would have been a step up for you. <laughs> right. Then these guys, uh, destroyed the car and I didn't even have the car anymore. And I was really just, I was just out of options. And I, and I reached out to my sister. I said, I said, Cindy, like, I'm just like, I, I can't anymore. You know, like I, I need help. And, and I knew that my dad had a standing offer. Like, uh, if I would go back to school and actually get A's and B's that he would, um, like pay for my my like living yeah i could live with my sister my dad would pay my half of the rent yeah if i got a certain grades yeah 
So I agreed to do that. I moved in with my sister in Albuquerque, New Mexico. And I was getting A's and B's and it was going great. But I was drunk all the time. I was a slob and eating my sister's food, messing up her house. My sister was working as a journalist at the Albuquerque Journal. And one day while she was at work, she was taking a dump in the bathroom, reading a book of trivia on the toilet. And she came across this question. It said, what is the only college that has no tuition? Something like that. She flipped the answer and it said, Ringling Brothers Barnum and Bailey Clown College is free if you can get in, but the caveat being that it is highly difficult to get into it. Statistically more uh, difficult to get in than Harvard. And uh, my sister just thought that this would be a great way to get me out of her house. So she left the number for Ringling Brothers and Barnum and Bailey Clown College on the table. Where is it? It was in Florida, Sarasota, Florida. I got to say, not shocked. <laughs> not shocked. Yeah, Sarasota is a big circus town. That's where all the sideshow freak people live. Um, so I got home and I, it just made perfect sense to me. I thought, oh, well, you know, I'm not really getting a lot of traction with my uh, my like stunt career, even though I had... You, you're doing a lot of stunts. I was doing the really... I was actually getting really... Doing some really cool stuff. Like during my vagrant period being homeless and couch surfing people said that's your peak <laughs> yeah well i mean if you think about it this way um the university of miami was an absolute bona fide olympics factory for swimming and diving yeah and i befriended the um the university of miami dive team they just loved how i jumped off buildings and bridges and i was a civilian and just wanted to do flips off high things and um there was one apartment in the student athletic like apartment complex that had the number one, the number two, and the number three ranked NCAA platform divers. You had the senior national diving champion, the current NCAA champion. These guys were the most incredible dudes ever. And they took me under their wing and really cleaned up my standing back flips you know like i was so i could just do a perfect standing back tuck and as soon as i learned that then i started setting myself on fire like pouring uh like rubbing alcohol all over my hand my arm and i would light it on fire so that was my torch and then i would go into a standing back flip and use my flaming hand as a torch to simultaneously breathe fire while doing a backflip. So you do the spitting thing. Yeah, midair. Just like a, a simultaneous fire breathing backflip, which I absolutely invented. And I could do that before clown college. Like these these diver guys also taught me how to walk up and down stairs like on my hands. It's Would cool people stuff. no one got hurt on that? I got hurt. Yeah. Sure. Like there there was a point and, and, and this was what actually put me Do you wear glove? No, not rubbing alcohol burns pretty thin. But I did get burned a lot. And um, you know, I was still super into skateboarding. My like my highest goal really was to be in skateboard videos. Um at that time because I wasn't good enough at skateboarding to be in the awesome videos, but skateboarding would get monotonous. Nobody could watch it for an yeah. hour. So skateboarding videos always had this crazy kind of comic relief, yeah. irreverent craziness. Yeah. And I wanted to be that guy. I made it my job to be that guy. And um, 
the skateboard tour came through Albuquerque. And I met up with these, I said, oh, guys, you know, like Big Brother Magazine was mm -hmm. the tour. I just like, I told him, you guys, I love Big Brother Magazine so much. I'm going to be in your magazine. I don't care if you like me. I only and it gonna... was kind of the basis for Jackass. Oh, 100% the basis yeah. for Jackass. And um, my plan was that um, I was going to light all of the hair on my head on fire by spraying hairspray all over my head. Light my head on fire, all the hair, so that my head was a torch for this big, famous professional skateboarder, Chris Markovich, to blow a fireball off my flaming hair, into which I would put my hand in my arm so that my hand would come out of that fireball that came off my head. Now it's on fire. And now I'm going to do the simultaneous fire breathing backflip with my head on fire. And then once I finish that, then I'll put everything out and call it a stunt. But the problem was, because I wanted to get my left hand into the fireball, I positioned the pro skater to my right, which left my whole face exposed. And this guy, I don't know if he blew the fireball with his eyes closed or what, but he blew that fireball point blank right into my face. And my whole my whole head from shoulders up face included my whole face was just on fire and my best thinking in that moment was man i better hurry up and do this fire breathing backflip because yeah. my face is on fire <laughs> so i went through with the whole thing and this footage is amazing because like you see the backflip and i wrote that my back is to the camera and as i rotate i come around and you see just my whole head just is engulfed in flames and i came up short landed on my knees so i wasn't able to Fuck. so i'm kind of struggling to get back up and i'm going through this is a backyard keg party that's happened at. i ended up with like all the skin from my face was like like came off and it was rolled up like a joint so all this the, the skin was just off my face and i knew they, they, they said in the footage they said they said dude are you okay and i go no, dude, not even. <laughs> like, I had to go to the hospital. I was like, I burned my face off. And so I even, went. So, rubbing alcohol is not, it's like, it's, it burns it, thin sometimes, it, but like, yeah, within if you leave reason. it going for, yeah. Yeah. It's pretty easy to put out, but. What happened to your face? Um, it's, I had second degree burns. I went to the hospital and, and they did, they, is it called debriding? They debrided it, meaning that the, the dead skin that's burned is going to, Get cause an infection because it gets like rotten or something. Yeah. So they've got to like scrape off. It's super painful. They scrape it off. And this happened. This was so, so crazy. They said I wouldn't be able to go into the sun for six months. They were fine with the flip fireball thing. They were like, you can still do that. Just don't go in the sun. <laughs> right, right. And in and, and the mornings for like two weeks, my face was like, they had all this stuff coming out of my face, like this ooze, like, Yes, yeah. or whatever. And so in the mornings, I would like have to peel my face off my pillow. And it was just a really dark time. And while I was in the whole peel my face off my pillow phase was when I found out that I had been accepted into clown college. And it was bittersweet because I thought, man, uh, how am I going to put on clown makeup? So was your life kind of always this haphazard? Yeah, for sure. And then did it stop once the show, once Jackass started, or it accelerated? Oh, it totally accelerated. So this with money and access. Kind of, yeah. Uh-huh. God bless. Yeah, and, and, and these days, like, uh, it's, it's like all-time crazy. Like the, the, this cup, last couple of years? 
More is crazier last than ever. Days. Last couple <laughs> like, days. <laughs> yeah, like uh, I, I, I gave my myself. Uh, I recently bought a smart car for no reason whatsoever, but to crash it fucking straight into a concrete wall to make sure the airbags work. And uh, I, I've agonized over it for a long time because it's like the speed. What you, is the minimum speed? 25? Uh, the minimum speed for the airbag to go off is only uh, 10 or 12. Okay. And uh, you, you want it to look awesome. You don't want it to look too awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and uh, see, I got the. Great. I got a crash test dummy Yamaha Fantastic. tattooed Fantastic. on top of my head. Fantastic. Yeah. Um, commit commitment yeah, to it. Yes, yes. Yeah. This uh, guy got a fucking full ride to clown college. <laughs> all right, I let's get to some blocks. Okay, good. The all right, the big one number two, overdeveloped concern for the opinions of others. Yeah. Okay, well we should talk about you are sober. I am. How long? Fifteen years. Okay. So do you look at your unsober years as some sort of escape? Uh, or trying to get out of your your experience or your skin or what do you see it as? Um, I look at my entire life as an exercise in being extremely uncomfortable with my own skin. From early, from, from as early as I can possibly remember. I remembered feeling um, like not enough. I would go as so far as to say defective. Mm -hmm. There's just something not right you know like everything's not okay yeah i'm not okay everything's not gonna be okay like uh to this day anxiety like, yeah just like you know like i i'm i'm screwed up and i'm screwed got it from uh parents <laughs> who knows i just think that's alcoholism kind of oh you just came out of the shoot like that yeah got it okay and because i had a perfectly privileged yeah and uh loving upbringing yeah i agree with you i know people that's like i think sometimes it's just in you yeah and that you like gotta get it out of you it's also in every single leaf on the family tree on my mom's side of the family everyone's kind of built the same way i used to say that everybody on my mom's side of the family was either dead or dying from alcoholism yeah but now they're all dead like uh except for like my generation I've got a cousin. I've got two cousins on my mom's side of the family, and and all of us are. And right. none of them went recovered in any way, and nobody. It's really like my mom, her brother, her sister, her mom, her dad, and as far up the ladder yeah. as anybody's aware of, is all like uh, alcoholism, addiction, gambling, suicide, all gnarly stuff. Yeah, and they all dealt with it relatively the same way. And did anyone ever come to you and go like, hey, I see what you're doing. Ah. Or well, were they like, hey, Steve, come drink with us? It wasn't really either. But but it's just it, it, it's it's testimony to how insidious the disease of alcoholism is that what I witnessed firsthand as a child would be enough, you would think to educate me to scare yeah. me straight like i, I that was, happened to me like no my dad was an alcoholic and none of us 10 kids nobody wow none of us drank very much at all right i mean i was armed with everything that i needed to know to to know better than to drink and i was just like man it's gonna get me anyway <laughs> <I'm just> gonna, <laughs> it's gonna get me anyway i'm just gonna try to have fun with it yeah 
All right. <laughs> yeah, let go and let alcohol. <laughs> yeah, there you go. And what was the, why'd you stop? Why do you, did alcohol, what did alcohol do that you were like, ah, it's too far? I, alcohol, you weren't supposed to do all that. I mean, I got in with a lot more substances than just alcohol. And um, it, it Coke, was- Coke, main one. Co Coke was, was, yeah, Coke was really major. I did everything. I never got into heroin or crack. And I was never, like, never turned down crystal meth, but um, I never really sought it out. Right. Was it available? Was it, like, readily available? And whenever it was, like, right there and someone was handing it to me, I did it. What? How often but, would that be? Not that often. Okay. It was more, like, a, more cocaine. I, I got Meth's a, not very social, right? So if you do meth, you kind of just do it with one other person. and Some people do it fairly socially. Yeah. Yeah, I, it wasn't something I aspired to yeah. too much, but I thought cocaine was really cool. Like, I would base it off of like, okay, what like radical rock star, like Motley Crue. You never heard about Motley Crue doing meth. You heard about them doing coke. Yeah. You know, like I wanted to party like rock stars. So I was attracted to cocaine. Coke's and, good for drinking too, right? It's yeah. like a good like counterbalance. Yeah, it's like if, if, I, if I would do a line of cocaine, I would need a drink immediately. And if uh, I had a drink, I would need a line of cocaine immediately. So there were yin and yang. It's perfect. It sounds like yeah. a great night. And I think, but back to the whole thing with like feeling, you know, this is it, like uh, this, they call it restless, irritable, and discontent is, is kind of the, the default state of the alcoholic. You know, there's just, you're, you're uncomfortable in your own skin, like, and, um, I just felt like I wasn't enough and, and that that was a problem. What's coming up to me is like getting sober must have been fucking hellish. Ah, it was no worse like, than anybody else? I mean, the thing about getting sober, the, the, when they say like you got to hit a bottom, you know, like the idea is that you get sober when staying sick is so hellish. Yeah. Okay. That, like it's actually the better option. Okay. But when I was a kid... I had this whole like felt defective. I, I wasn't enough, and so like I would I would really latch on to something as my identity. Like the first thing I remember was uh, little league baseball. There was something about about uh, dressing up in my my little league team uniform. That in that uniform, like I like uh, it helped me because I was a baseball player. Yeah. And so, like, it was a it, complete identity shift. It was, yeah. You it weren't would, yourself. You know, it was like, uh, I would just take cosplay on, or something. Yeah. So, like, I would be wearing my Little League baseball uniform, like, on nowhere near a baseball field, like, when I was not playing yeah. a game. I'd be at the movies, the mall, like, on a Sunday night. Yeah. In your, for sure. In your Little League. Yeah. Uniform. And, 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 uh, when I was nine, I did a season of Little League football. And, uh, there's my, um, like a, a Canadian citizenship card that I have where like, it's like a passport photo and I'm just full pads. Like I felt the need to wear like my football uniform with my shoulder pads on, underneath, God like it, for a passport funny. photo. Halloween every day. I wore it for Halloween too. I, there's a, there's a year for Halloween. I was a football player. And, um, and people go, what are you? And you go a vampire. And they're like, why are you wearing it? And you're like, I'm right. a fucking vampire. Don't worry about it. This right. Is, different thing so that was just this thing and that, that, that's kind of how it manifested at that time and then um 
then uh, the Little League gave way to, to heavy metal. I discovered like Iron Maiden. I was like, wow, this like Iron, this heavy metal. And then Motley Crue and then Slayer. And, and you just, wear the outfits and the pants wanted, and the shirts yeah, and the- and the, I wanted to grow the mullet. Yep. My parents wouldn't let me, so it was Hair just spray, always like- make eyeliner? No, I didn't do that, but but certainly the like the the jean jacket with your where are you from Canada? Uh, I grew up in five different countries, and um, I have three different uh, citizenships because I was born in England, my mom was born in Canada, and my dad was born in America. Great. So I'm all three. That is that good? Three valid like passports it? is epic. Great. Yeah, they're all countries where you can have more than one citizenship. Great. And taxes only apply to where you're a resident, so. Which is California? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but then I I became like, my identity became like, you know, the one and a half inch mullet because that's all my parents would let me grow (laughs) it, you know, and the jean jacket. And then skateboard, and then skateboarding came and took over the heavy metal and then it was just skateboarding was my identity and then and then i the skateboarding then it turned into like pot and the grateful dead and and you know so it's, i always had this this thing like where i wanted to you know like somehow amount to to to, to enough so like, it's like me plus metal it might be a full person. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, maybe. And I would just listen to heavy metal music at people. And then all the kids at school were like, oh, you Satan worshiper. And that would like really hurt my feelings, even though I wanted them to think that. Yeah. You know, like, and, and um, I was, I moved so much growing up in five different countries, like born in England, moved to Brazil when I was six months old. Because my dad uh, became the president of Pepsi Cola in all of Brazil. And then he got promoted. So we moved to Venezuela when I was two years old. And then uh, we moved to Darien, Connecticut when I was four years old. At this point, I've spoken three languages fluently by the age of four, forgot two of them completely by the age of five, and moved to Miami when I was six years old because dad became a, a big tobacco CEO for RJ Reynolds. This was during the 80s, and they discovered that cigarettes were actually like linked to cancer, like mm-hmm. the kind of, yeah. you know, and so the tobacco companies were freaking out, thinking that their business did model- Did he testify was, in Congress, your father? He he didn't, but he's got all kinds of funny stuff to yeah. say about, about uh, the battle and how both sides of, uh, you know, but-, but Tobacco companies started buying up food companies because yep. it, because if the business model of tobacco went away, people are always yeah. going to need to eat. Yes. So at the time, the largest corporate merger or corporate takeover in history was um, it was called the KKR merger, and it was where R.J. Reynolds Tobacco became R.J.R. Nabisco. Mm-hmm. And my dad was part of that biggest. Dad says that he had an aberrationally good year that year. He went on to become the president of Nabisco International. Some I think was was his deal. So at this point, like I live in like a huge house. In where? Well, we went from we we moved to England when I was in fourth grade. Then we moved to Canada, and then we moved back to England. Uh, I think maybe Dad started out like it was just Nabisco Canada, but uh, but yeah, like my my house got bigger as I grew up. 
I got more uncomfortable and my mom, my dad was never home and my mom was super drunk. Mm. And um, we moved all the time. And I was just this like, this this thing about me just made me really like aggressive and and like, and I wanted everyone to, I had, there was this, this report card I got in sixth grade and the, con, the, the teacher wrote, Steve desperately wants the approval and praise of his peers, but the way he goes about it, uh, like brings about the opposite result. And that, like, I remember, like, I found that my sister, like, I dug up all this stuff when I was making my first book, and I saw that comment in their party. It was just Pierce, like, ooh, you yeah. know, like, it's there. There are a lot of dynamics where people really desperately want one thing in their way. But of you were to, like a little dickhead about it. Yeah, like I was. Uh, I was just aggressive, man. Like I was just. I, I tried too hard. I tried too hard. Like when I was in third grade, like I had got all the kids around in the cafeteria and like unscrewed a salt shaker and just watched me consume a mountain of salt. Like, you know, and nobody thought it was it's like, oh, that's creepy. Like, what are you like, yeah. creepy? Like, no, it's awesome. And <laughs> yeah. you can really respect it. I remember nope. fifth grade, I was 10 years old. I remember this one really, really well. Like all of my baby teeth had fallen out. I was like down to like maybe the last... The last like real teeth you ever would yeah, have. The, 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 yeah, <laughs> right, exactly. And uh, and I knew, I knew, I could tell that this tooth, one of my last teeth, was just like becoming loose. And I knew that if like you rip it out before it's ready to come out, it's going to bleed a lot. Yep. I'm at the American School in London, England. I walk into my Spanish class, and I go and sit next to like this super pretty girl who I'd never sit next to normally. And I brazenly tell this girl- If you weren't gonna bleed a lot, yeah. you wouldn't sit next to her. <laughs> right, yeah. I brazenly tell this girl, I say, I don't have to be in class today. I can leave whenever I want. And she's just kind of like, oh, like weird, like you're you're creepy, like, you mm -hmm. know? And I sit down next to her and the class starts and I just violently rip out this tooth. And sure enough, all this blood is flowing. And I raise my hand and show the teacher my mouth open with all the blood. And I say, I need to go to the nurse. She says, go, go. And I stand up and I say to the, the hot chick, I'm like, I told you so, you know, like, and, uh, you know, like just stuff like that. Nobody thought it was cool, <laughs> you know, like it was just yeah. aggressive and it was creepy yeah. and everything about the way that I wanted people to like me, like was too aggressive and It sounds and... like adults with motorcycles. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm like, I get that you want me to like you and think you're unique and interesting. This is the fucking worst way to go about it. Yeah. By by and bombarding me with noise with an unimpressive thing. Yeah. What are you doing? Support for today's podcast comes from Marine Layer. It's official. I'm cute. Do you see this shirt, guys? It's a cute shirt. You know where I got it? Marine Layer is where I got it. Uh, you see how it's like a nice cut and a nice fit. I'll tell you why. It's because they have they have good uh, sizing thing. They have like small, medium, large, and then they have like it's medium, large, et cetera, et cetera. They it's like incredibly soft, and I don't say that. I don't look. I wouldn't say that. 
if I if it wasn't. It's like really really soft. Like it's insane. I got this. I got uh, a long sleeve shirt. I got a uh, Henley, the one with the three buttons at the top. I've been wearing. Can I say I've been wearing the living shit out of it? Out of it all. If anyone's been with me and they haven't been, but I've been wearing it. Keep my dog Keith will swear that I've been wearing this stuff and I'm wearing it right now. Like genuinely looks good. I look, don't, you can't front on this. I look cute. It's time to invest in a wardrobe that will actually last for a limited time. My listeners get an exclusive 15% off discount with code N-E-A-L-15, N-E-A-L-1-5 at Marine Layer, M-A-R-I-N-E-L-A-Y-E-R.com. I stand by it i guarantee it it's a good shirt they got good colors this is about as cute as i'm gonna look you see the tone of my cheeks and the shirt it ah that's code n-e-a-l-1-5 at marinelayer.com go be a part of the magic look and feel like your friend neil not written guys that's off the top I wonder how much like this is the thing for comedians even. Yeah. Whenever I had to give a class presentation, you get up in front of the class. Yeah. Now you're going to speak to the vocal. Terrified of it. Mm -hmm. Like I was the kid who, when I had to give the class presentation, like my voice was shaking mm -hmm. more than any other kid in the class. Mm -hmm. You know, like, and, and it's just so counterintuitive that I was just starving for attention yeah but terrified of it at the same time yeah. you know like like i need your attention like and i need you to like me and like i'm just so afraid of that not being the case that when i get in front of you and speak that you can tell i'm just trembling and you know, like I need to be the center of the attention, but I'm terrified of being the center of attention it's like yeah in between a rock and a hard spot yeah yeah hard place Hard spot. I don't know if that's England. I don't know where he got that. He went to. He was in a lot of countries, guys. He he forgot two languages before the age of six, and he used to bring it up to people. He'd go, "I motherfucker, I've forgotten more languages than you're ever gonna learn. I'm six, and I need your attention. Yeah, but I'm afraid of it. The well, that I it's like going to a show and getting nervous, right? Like when I I go to shows tonight right what? and i get nervous and i'm like this is a weird thing that you're doing i mean i always liken stand-up to skating which is you're at the top of a ramp and your body's going like don't 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 yeah. don't 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 and you're like no 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 no, no, no i i no no i, I like the, i like it i think or something yeah. i have to do it i just built a big ass ramp in my backyard finally you've never had a ramp before uh, I've had, I've had ramps inside the house. <laughs> never finally, <laughs> he's finally reached the point. Uh, okay, that's fucking fascinating. So this over concern for the opinions of others, like um, it's just been all my if life. If you're not you know? enough, obviously you're looking for external help. It's the thing I right. say to people: like every me and everyone I know goes into every conversation ten points down. So we're like, okay, ah, 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 ah story, ah, good to see you. Like just tr trying to charm people right. and overcompensate and you're doing backwards. I, I know. I think it's why I fell in love with the video camera the way I did because 
with like the skateboarding, I could edit out the failures mm -hmm. and only string together the successes. And it was like this process represented a way for me to physically manipulate someone's impression of me and make them think that I'm better than I am. Yeah. You know, which is almost a, uh, like a, a metaphor for just my life, you know, like yeah. I want so badly to manipulate like what you think of me. And, um, you know, and then that's why I got to go get the, like, oh, drugs for pigs and cows. Epic. This is going to make people think I'm awesome, you know? <laughs> and, and all these years later, I love having crazy stories, but like the reality of like, I just wanted to live. Were you excitable while you were like, were you like, I was just in, I just got into clown college. Were you like oh, sort yeah. of like gregarious oh, oh, and yeah. like everywhere and like, hey, God, like life of the party. 100%. Basically. Yeah. That was the thing with Jackass when, when Jackass started that like when the shoot was over, the cameras are turned off and put away, like largely everybody was able to just kind of be, be done, you know, maybe now we're going to drink, you know, yeah. like, but, but whatever, like, and I just, you know, like, well, that, like, okay, that's like, dude, I, we're, we're, we're done. We're not shooting anymore. Yeah. Like, mellow out. Like, and, and I never had an off switch. Have you ever had a moment after a stunt where you're legitimately injured right you've had a few of those sure. you've had like Plenty. dozens of them do you ever think i wish i wasn't i wish i didn't have to do this yeah i mean like all this obviously it, i it's an amazing like yeah. i this shit you do means a ton to me i'm dreading all of the crash test dummy stuff that i have in front of me because it's not just with the car, and then it's like the, the crash cube, and then I've got the rolling crash crash globe, like right. You know, you don't have to do it. <laughs> I, I know I don't have to do it. Yeah, <laughs> like I'm telling you, you don't. Just because you got the tattoo, you grow your hair out. I don't know about the tattoo. Yeah. Uh, right. Yeah, like you don't have to do it, but it is that thing of you might have enough money to not have to do anything, and you're still like. I, I have to do it. And you just wonder, I, and I say, I, I ask this cause I feel this way. Like, why do I have to do, keep doing this? You know what I mean? It's a great question, man. I mean, I just am right now in the process with my fiance of, uh, purchasing a, like four, life insurance policy, <laughs> Go ahead. a 40 plus acre property, uh, outside of Nashville. Yeah. We want to like open up a, a big animal sanctuary right? right like and uh last night i went into a full like spiral panic attack thinking like like well you know the what am i doing you know like like what am i doing like i, I was throwing around like the math and you know what it would look like uh to be on tour for four months of the year uh in la for just under two months of the year and a minimum of six months and one day in Tennessee so that I'm officially so, like a legitimate, yeah. Yeah, it's a legitimate Tennessee resident. And that like kind of made sense to me. Like, oh yeah, there's a real reason to do this. And then I, and then I thought like, what, what am I doing? Like I'm just like plunking down like the most money I've ever plunked down on anything to buy this property. And now I'm talking about just sitting there for six months out of the year like just gonna kneecap my earnings potential <laughs> you know like while all this building is going on the property just money's flowing out and i'm just gonna 
cut off my yeah. my, my uh, earnings. Yeah. Like, what am I doing? Like I just had like. But the earning. <laughs> I'm not even thinking about the earnings thing. I'm thinking about like because I watch the I watch the latest Jackass, and a part of it must be like I. There's a part of me that's a little sad watching it. Okay. Because it's because of the compulsion. Sure. It's a weird version of the end of Eternal Sunshine and Spotless Mind. Meaning they know how hard relationships are and they choose to do it again. They okay. know the heartache. They know that. And it's like, and I, it's again, it's like a new hour with stand-up or any of this shit where, where you're like, I'm going to do that again. I'm going to like, and, and so when I watched you guys do this thing that is very hard on you. Yeah. And it's like you can't not it's like salmon swimming upstream or something. It's like in you to do it and to hear you tell it it's almost like it was in you before anything. Right. Yeah, and, and I think that that the ultimate example of that and what terrifies me like to no end is um like the stories the the one the one that comes to mind uh the a movie called Stan and Ollie. Mm -hmm. which is uh, the story of uh, Laurel and Hardy. Yeah. These guys, uh, and, and there's another one about Buster Keaton, which mm -hmm. is an actual documentary. Yeah. Like these people who are like physical entertainers and um, like got raw deals in, in their contracts, like didn't, like weren't good with their money found themselves in their 60s 70s and like just suiting up and and getting on stage like to beat themselves up like at when it's just dark and tragic and sad to watch you know like the the the, the same feeling that i got um from those i i got when i watched the movie judy where judy garland yeah. is like just you know there's something so f physical about what you guys are doing that's not it's like and it gets more dangerous every time right that it, with every age every day right. of aging and you right just, and so it's really scary to me and i think that like what, what what's interesting is hearing your story you're like a real fucking rack on tour like you like telling the stories you're telling them well they're interesting like you're not just a stuntman well i've definitely evolved and by the way, thank you. I yeah. appreciate the kind words. Um, I, I've evolved with uh, with my comedy, where it's a multimedia thing. And then the new hour that I'm putting together now, as violent as it is, it's an and it's an examination, largely an examination of how I am confronting middle age, like yeah. my aging process. Yeah, and there's a lot of lashing out at father time. You know, like yeah. I'm just taking it dead on and acknowledging that I'm at that that time. Yeah. You know, and 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 here's here's how it goes. So so I think that there's something about like being deliberate and upfront about it, and not just pretending that that's not going on that uh, allows me to be authentic and and do it what I'm doing at this age. I I hope anyway, but but it strikes me as interesting too. Because I was about to say that there's the the sad and depressing Buster Keaton story and Laurel and Hardy yeah. story. And what's sad and depressing about that is that 
they were in true financial distress right. and having to do yes. that to survive. Yes. But like, but there's a difference from what I'm doing where it's like, uh, you know, I'm not in financial distress. Yes. I'm doing it by choice. Yeah. And that is an absolute, like, exactly the same thing as what I said about alcoholism. You know, like my my family members, like, you know, well, it's gonna get me anyway. You know. Yeah. I'm just gonna try and enjoy it. <laughs> you know, like yeah. it's like saying, yeah, I got alcoholism, but I'm gonna, you know, like. I know. Well, that's what's interesting is like, are you, are you a heat seeking missile for like, are you just a kamikaze pilot? Like, is yeah. there just, and literally as you turned on, I see the crash, the, the crash test yeah. dummy tattoo. Uh, and I worry. And then there's a part of me that's like, I don't know, just go out. Yeah. Go, or it's like a good example would be Madonna. Right, right. Ooh, that's a tough one. You, you know what I'm saying? I know. It's, you you know see it? Saying, yeah. It's like mean. I don't. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I don't know how. I I can't call this one. I truly don't know what to tell her. Right. And, and why I, is it so different with Dolly Parton? Because she's not. Because she's always been cartoony. It's always been cartoon boobs, and yeah. cartoon makeup, and car like, and she's in on the joke. Right. It feels like a manifestation of the restless yeah. and dissatisfied. I can't yeah. remember what the eye is. Uh, restless, irritable, and irritable, discontent. Yeah, yeah. Restless, irritable, and discontent. Like having to right. do it to get, it's the yeah, whole thing I, is just a feeling. It's You're just getting your nipple pierced over and over and over and over. Right. What you're doing, is it the physical manifestation of restless irritable yeah i mean I don't, I don't know i don't know like um i know that um you know I've, I've just taped my third comedy special and like my first like sort of joke i tell is uh you know guys i'm in a really bad situation i'm steve-o in my 40s <laughs> that's great that's a funny show and uh you know and i'm just trying to do the craziest shit ever before it becomes creepy to watch me do it and, yeah, and like that, you know, and, and that's just I, I just leave that there. Yeah, it's and like now, you guys all used to be indestructible, right? And now you're incredibly destructible, right? And now, like we're at now that now is really that line where it it is creepy to watch me do it, and so like this new hour that I'm putting together now, like okay, now we're into the creepy zone. I acknowledge that. Let's get creepy. Great. <laughs> I'll give me the ad, give me the web. Stevo.com. Is that where I find it? Yeah. Um the, 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 this third special just got shot. But uh Okay, so the 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 what have you done about the concern of others thing? The opinions thing. Have you yeah. found like a middle have you found the way were, to disengage? I, I think that the the answer to that for me is in finding separation between the persona of steve-o and the person of stephen glover that's the best I what's can funny do. is stephen glover's a pretty good name oh, and you, you changed it steve-o's a, a little uh, better but like I, stephen well, glover's pretty good dad uh when i was uh i told you i got my second drunk driving arrest within a month of getting my license yep. back from the first mm -hmm. which meant that i had to go to jail for 10 days and I was in jail for 10 days. And while I was in jail for 10 days, in this big auditorium full of bunk beds with other inmates, like they, 
they let me have sheets of paper and a pencil. I started writing my jailhouse memoirs, right. which I have to this day. Fantastic. It said like March, I forget the specific day, but March 1996. The first thing I wrote on that first page was, they call me Steve-O. <laughs> I'm thinking about switching back to Steve Glover because now I've kind of begun, begun a career and I don't know if I want a nickname when I'm famous. <laughs> You, look, you were out of your mind, but you were right. Dude, you, were, crazy. you called all of it. And, and in hindsight, I only mentioned that uh, because going with Steve-O and not switching to Steve Glover, I think was the, the smartest thing. Steve-O, just somebody called you Steve-O? It's like Steve-O. Like, if you look at like Jackass, you know, the, the people that the, the feel have the most like name recognition. Yeah. Wee Man. Yeah. Bam. Yep. Steve-O. They were all, that Johnny was part Knox. of the yep. Like it, the, it, 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 I think it, it, uh, it helped. The people who went with the name on their driver's license, I feel, did a disservice to themselves. Yeah, by not having an easy to remember nickname. Party boy, who was? Yeah, but that's Pontius. Uh, that was Pontius. Right. Yeah, yeah, I think great. he screwed himself the most because he bounced all over the place. Like, yeah, he, like he, I don't know if he's Pontius or Pontius. Yeah, right. But um, uh, but bless his heart, and 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 now you know I'm I'm not like uh, slinging anything. At, no, at, I don't. At my at my bros. Um, I, I think that the the rest of the jackass guys are a lot more uh, healthy than I am. Yeah. yeah, because I've got this like attention thing and like this this crazy like you know I, I don't know I have to be working, striving, trying to accomplish something all the time, and 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 as a result, like I'm always in a perpetual state of like anxiety and stress, like. Uh, and it's partially ambition, you think? Sure. Yeah. And, 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 you know, it's something that I, that in my second book, I, um, I, I just analyzed the, the question because it's something that I noticed bothered me for just a long, long time. The question, are you happy? Like whenever anybody would ask me, am I happy? It would just make me uncomfortable. Yeah. It would make me uncomfortable because like my, my initial instinctual reaction is no, I'm not happy. I feel gripped by fear, anxiety, like everything's not okay. Like, like ah, you know, like I've got to frantically try to scramble and hustle to do something so that everything might be okay. That's my default. Yeah. And and uh, is that a bad thing? Does it bum me out? I certainly have always felt uh, like it, it was just a rude and personal and like really inappropriate question for someone to ask me, am I happy? That's funny. And I broke it down and I really thought, and I'd say, you know what? I think I know why, like what it is, is like, I, like I don't want to be happy because I think like happy, like is uh, synonymous with content, mm -hmm. right? Like content sounds dangerously close to lazy. Funny, you've got your father's <laughs> yeah. sense of capitalism and your mother's uh, sense of self-destruction. You, you, you could not have nailed it more perfectly. <laughs> you yeah, have you a capitalistic approach to self-destruction. <laughs> yeah. Steve-O, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> you uh, even worded it better than I did in my first book. Well. Um, Bastard. Son of a bitch. Uh, negative negative self-talk. Okay. I'm not okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not okay. I'm not lovable. I'm uh like uh you know like I'm, I had a I'm, thing I'm in old. my in three mics the my first Netflix where I said I don't have the shelving for good feelings. 
I could have a good feeling. It's just I don't have anywhere to put it. (laughs) And and like I the idea that happiness is a like that's part of the question. I want to say that somebody at some point. It's like fucking very funny. How dare you? Yeah, like you have no right to ask me that. Of course, I'm not small talk. (laughs) Um, But I used to. I also try to achieve my way out of depression. And you're trying to achieve your way out of anxiety. Yeah. Um, for sure and 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 i've come a long way with with the negative self-talk thing man like um like last night like what am i doing what am i doing i'm gonna buy this house like i'm like ah you know like i've just poked a hole in my canoe and stopped rowing yeah (laughs) you know like i don't think you have to spend six months in a year yeah oh Uh, i think or six months in a day i i think you do and i think that whatever time you spend on tour does not count i think you got to physically be there but I, I know that I can't do that. Like we got yeah. the property, we're gonna get married on it. We'll start setting it up. We'll, we'll, but like, I just can't be there because I've got to work. Yeah, I have to. Yeah, and I have to work harder and more and better than ever before. Because of the house, or because of some because weird I thing have in your to. head? <laughs> because I just you've have decided. To. I have to. You yeah. put a hex on yourself. Yeah, I've I've I've, I've built like I've I've. Uh, yeah, I've, I've, I'm pretty prolific with uh, content creation. Yeah. Like, you know, I upload to four different YouTube channels regularly. I've got all of the, you know, like some crazy combined social media following of 35 million. It's like, right. it's pretty crazy. Like, and I've got more of like a media department like built around me, just increasing overhead. So all I'm like, <laughs> just yeah, like, like the, the overhead is, is getting insane at this point. And then now, like, because I taped the special, like touring, you know, no touring. And yeah. It's just all money going out. Like, yeah, but you're making money off the YouTubes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Negative <laughs> self talk, pettiness. Petty. Okay. Yeah. Pettiness, man. Like, um, when I uh, reach out to somebody and and uh, they don't respond, how long? Like, kind of at all. You know, like there's just like certain things where you reach out and and then. People just dis, you know, like if I ever feel disregarded, yeah, not responded to, like, um, I really get into silent scorn. It, it, it's pretty gnarly, but you know, like, and and I, I like to this day maintain like inventory, you know, like I've got like the the whole twelve step inventory thing, you know, where yeah. we we catalog our resentments, and uh, you know, I do it in an app, and like. 80 90 percent of my resentments are like someone blew me off they 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 blew me off you know and uh i i I just managed to take that so personally when like you know the best way to get over a resentment is to put yourself in the shoes of the person who you resent and so obviously like like i was like oh have like like I blow people off sometimes. Yeah. You know, like sometimes I do it. Yeah. And the best way that I've gotten over that, I just allow people to not want to fuck with me. And in turn, I give myself the permission to not want to fuck with other people. But it's the do you believe I it? Get. It's the closest I can get. It's a theory, not a practice. Yeah. yeah. What do you think is happening? You're just ego is so tender that any sort of abrasion is too is fatal it it, it hurts to agree with that <laughs> yeah. yeah i mean uh yeah when you put you put it that that was pretty eloquent and uh 
poignant the the way you worded that. Um, but yeah, it's not off the mark. Like I just, I I, I want to matter, man. I want to matter. I want to be uh, acknowledged. And if I'm not acknowledged, it, but you it, also know that like there's a lot of matters at this point. There's yeah, a lot of fucking I know, people. I know. Who and and invariably it's somebody who's got a shit ton going on in their life. So like, uh, and invariably like they I always end up hearing from them and like oh like. They just it couldn't have been. They didn't like, know about it. Couldn't or, have been less malicious. Yeah, I'm th that's I think by definition petty that I can take something personally that someone else isn't even aware of. Yeah, I mean small shit, right? And what have you done about it? And how did it get very destructive? I mean, with with that, it's uh, it, it's the inventory process. I write it down. I speak up about it. How do you who do you speak up about it to? The people in recovery. In, like, uh, okay, you just say like I. I'm mad at somebody for because yeah. I emailed them and they didn't email me back. Yeah, let's, let's see what. Let's see. What I love got. it. Yeah. A living inventory, guys. Yep, I got uh, my spiritual toolkit. That's an app. Yep. <laughs> I got okay. Uh, blew me off. Blew me off. Blew me off. Wouldn't do my podcast. <laughs> uh, blew you off in what way? This guy blew me off after two of his biggest creators made formal intros by email and text. Didn't even, I don't even mind saying that was the CEO of sure. Thinking about getting on this platform. It's the CEO, I was like, hey, you know, my, my buddy, my other buddy, Steve will do it. Said, Guys, I'm thinking about getting on both of them. Oh yeah, let me introduce you to the CEO. Think, oh great, man, they introduced me and crickets i don't hear from the guy nothing i'm then and i'm like and and everyone's like oh, we'll just upload under i'm like i'm not gonna bend over backwards to bring all of my following to this platform this guy can't even but why do you want the guy you're doing great i just think another platform might be a bigger audience but but i don't think it'll be bigger than youtube what the fuck are yeah. you talking about i know you can get away with more okay you can finally but really hurt so, yourself. But that's just the first call. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what does this affect? Uh, uh, fear, self-esteem, security, pride. My mistakes. Where have I been selfish, dishonest, or afraid? Well, I feel entitled. I'm entitled. Like, this guy's not kissing my ass. That's entitlement. Uh, Self-important. Grandiosity. I have no idea what's going on with this guy. Whether he kisses my ass or not has nothing to do with what's right for me professionally. Uh huh. I bitched about it, even to, and that's not a good look. I should be logical and strategic, and not cut my nose off to spite my face. I'll probably bleep most of these names <laughs> Go now. For it. But what I'm gonna say is, <laughs> just knowing the people you just named, yeah, makes you one of the most privileged <laughs> access lucky people yeah. living on earth right now that's probably right and and thank you for offering to bleep those names that's a great I idea i just bleep because it's fucking it's whatever it's just it, not it's, it's, it's I, a, yeah. yeah it's um, easy, like it's like a blur like it makes it sexier yeah and people they, well they'll be in the comments gonna blow up it's gonna be wild i'm it's gonna be on <laughs> i'm talking to the ceo right now um uh, so just got a, off the phone with yeah him. it's really good he's like he said he's got nothing going on <laughs> um so what i'm saying is you're doing so incredibly well and 
Yeah. You got again, far be it for me, but I'll tell you <laughs> what I've done. I it's it's involved like different plant medicine, aka drugs, that have really made me significantly more grateful. Oh yeah. Like significantly more grateful. Yeah. And maybe it's short term, but but it's made yeah, me more a, that, grateful and just, no no less talented. I, I gotta add that to my fourth column there, lack of gratitude. Yeah, it's just like yeah. How and I'll tell you this is a negative self talk thing that I've come to. How much better could it be going, Steve? <laughs> uh, what are we talking about? How many? How who's doing better than you? Well, I mean, there are a lot of people doing better than me, but uh, how many? In what way? By the way, if you want to talk about emotionally, everybody's doing better than you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm saying professionally, right. how many people are doing better than you? Uh, how many people are thinking about a 40 acre farm? Right. Yeah. Uh, you know, leave yeah. it to black people, mule, whatever. <laughs> you do what you want. Um, it's just the right amount of acres. That's all I'm saying. Black guy, eight feet away. Um, he's in the market for a fucking 40 acre farm. Um, so what, you're right. like the amount of yeah, shit that's right. going your way. And again, I, and, <laughs> and I also happen to be a perennially dissatisfied, ambitious person. So I right. know what you're talking about. Right. I know what you're talking about, but I also, I'll tell you the thing that's replaced my, a lot of my professional goals are just emotional goals. How about that? That's it. Cause what am I, what am, what am I going to do with the professional goals? What am I going to do with them? Right. You know what I mean? Like you can't. Well, you you can. You um, get a check, but it's not it. Whatever. With a year overhead, it's gone immediately. Right. Uh, but I'm saying I'm not telling you anything you haven't obsessed right. over. And and you, you put it very well, too. When I said the uh, my jackass buddies, I think, are all happier than I am. Yeah. Um. They're emotionally healthier. I don't, I, but having said that, I don't think you have the fact that you've been able to remain sober is, uh, kind of amazing. Yeah. And, and I will also say people that are alcoholics, it's a tough yeah. existence. It is in terms of like minute to minute. It's just like, you have to, you have to run a smart car into a wall. <laughs> Right. In order just for it to stop for fucking 90 seconds. Um, yeah. The the thing I wanted to ask you was. Uh, what have you done that's gotten you like that's improved your life in terms of all this stuff? Obviously, getting sober, getting, sobriety in, getting into is the it. biggest. Yeah. Because um, without sobriety, it's this. Oh, it's and then and it's this plus like real dangerous yeah. shit right yeah yeah i mean without sobriety there's it's all bets are off um and uh what else i've done um i i got into a little bit of an addiction like whack-a-mole situation where um once i achieved uh chemical sobriety like i just was really going crazy with sexual acting out mm -hmm. which kind of had always been going on anyway but um like when i when i started touring comedy clubs like every night before i got off stage i said i'm gonna i'm not going anywhere until i take a photo with every single one of you guys that wants one and i would do a meet and greet with the entire audience and that meet and greet was a set effectively like an audition to see who i would act out with that night 
and I would just act out sexually on the road constantly. And, um, you know, it, it struck me that, uh, I, at that time I was approaching 40. I was, is like, it was 2013 when it got really pretty serious. Um, and I was like, man, like this isn't the road to being happy. And I, I really subscribed to the belief that future happiness, that, that that like having a good life, forget happy, but just having a good life, that I needed to learn how to have a healthy relationship, how to be in a healthy relationship, to have a life partner to help me weather the storm of becoming an old attention whore, because that's just an, an ugly, scary future. So I promised myself I'm not going to act out anymore on the road. I couldn't do it. I just couldn't do it, and uh, like it was just too humiliating and embarrassing. And... Yeah, and and I uh, ended up like getting into therapy. I ended up going into like a, a sex addict rehab, this like intensive outpatient program. I ended up like really, really putting in a lot of work, and um, I think that 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 that's arguably the best thing I did for myself, which um, was not to put work into finding the right person but i put work into becoming the right person right because the right person would have been utterly useless to me i would have been useless for them like i you know not like everybody you're not going to find the right person you have to but become... is it for yourself or for them um meaning i because i i can be like super boyfriend i can be like yeah. what do you you know <laughs> right right but right. I, you gotta, I resent them eventually but you got to do it for yourself yeah you know if you can view your relationship as uh always an opportunity to express yourself as the person who you aspire to be then like you're selfishly being a great guy you know yeah now this is tough to apply and practice like all the time yeah, but everything's like hard. Yeah. A, a, as a general way like i don't know i just have i just have I'm super grateful for my relationship yeah and 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 the uh since i got sober like you know not wasting all my time just being wasted and going you know that going on. yeah and then to, and then add the next layer of not wasting all the time chasing chicks around Mm -hmm. I mean, you free up a lot yeah. of time and like you, you, uh, you really kind of get a lot more focused. And then on top of that, I've got this great life partner who helps me accomplish what I want to. So I feel like life. So like the sobriety, but the sexual sobriety yeah. relatively was probably you. Even think if may it's, it's like yeah. graduate school for alcoholics, sober alcoholics interesting yeah and and it's just like i i hey guess what you just said something nicely it, <laughs> it's been me most of the time but you just, <laughs> you just made a various <clears throat> well thanks man yeah um, you got it it's uh it's just really really um incredible how uh when you don't waste your time and you don't like have distractions or, or really go in the wrong direction make a lot of mistakes and you have all of your time to be focused on what you deliberately want to accomplish turns out life's not that, yeah it turns out life's not that complicated yeah you're just scheduling <laughs> yeah it was great talking to you and uh i'm like pulling for you well thank you man i yeah. think that that like i think cathartic is the word where uh you know you you, you benefit you make some kind of progress like a therapeutic like i think um 
Yeah, you've, you've instilled in me a healthy dose of gratitude, which might last until the sun goes down. <laughs> That's all you can hope for. Yeah. And then do, do another podcast. Guys, right. and then hopefully you're got there's not that's all you can do yeah. see how long you can keep the streak for yeah i'm gratitude i am grateful from mdma on sunday it's wednesday three days looking pretty go. good let's see how long and then you just try to make it so that you just become an insufferable boring person yeah who feels good all the time yeah i love it <laughs> 